Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Is anyone out there? Good morning. It's good to see you all. We thought we'd keep you on your toes a little bit this morning and just mix things up a little bit. As Anna said, we're going to sing some more a little bit later on, and hopefully the reason for why we're doing things this way today uh, will be apparent as we unpack today's message. Um, before we uh, get there, let me introduce myself. Firstly, my name's Tom, and as Rod said, I lead the team here at Hope, and it's good to have you with us, especially if it's your first time with us today. You're really, really welcome, and we love having you here. We love the fact that you're here with us, and we trust that this will be an encouraging morning for you. Um, before we dive into today's message, I just want to take a moment to uh, speak about what's happening in two weeks' time, which is that we're going to have some, a really special moment. We're going to have a gift day. We're going to have a gift day where we're going to be giving into uh, some big things in the life of the church here. And I really want to encourage you, if you are regularly amongst us, if this is your home, whether you're a member of the church and have been through our Getting Connected course, or whether you're just a, a, amongst us regularly and looking to make this your home, I want to encourage you to give on the 22nd of May. Uh, we're going to be looking to give £150,000 uh, between us as a church uh, on that day. And we're going to look to uh, apportion the money that's given in a number of different ways. And uh, I just want to unpack that for us uh, this morning. So a third of what we give, we're looking to assign to loan repayments. So that doesn't sound very glamorous, does it? But that's the reality. Uh, we have uh, just over £1 million worth of loan outstanding on the works that we have uh, carried out in this building, which is, I think, quite incredible, really, given all that we were able to do here. Um, but we want to set aside a third of that £150,000 that we hope to give uh, to, to put towards loan repayments, just to take the pressure off a little bit. As I've mentioned in recent weeks, things financially have been quite tight for us as a church, and so we want to be able to do that. Another third that we want to, uh, we want to apportion to uh, our, the setting up of our uh, public-facing cafe, which we're going to be calling Encore. And uh, we're going to be rolling that out and explaining a little bit more about the heart behind that uh, in the months to come. But we want to have a cafe that's open to the public uh, each weekday and uh, to welcome people into this building and uh, to come and get a good coffee, good bite to eat, and see uh, you know, a little bit of what God's done here uh, as well. So uh, we want to be able to roll that out later on in the year, and that's going to mean that we're going to need to employ some people for that. We're going to need to buy stock as well to get the cafe up and running. Um, but we're really looking forward to, to that launching, and we'll have more information about that in the months to come. But we want to set a third of what we give uh, towards uh, the startup of Encore Cafe, uh, which will be taking place later this year. And then with the final third, we want to divide that up in a number of ways. We want to, uh, firstly, we want to invest in the downstairs main room. Um, those of you who serve on the kids team or maybe on the youth team, uh, as the youth gather there on Friday nights, uh, you'll know it's a great space. We have a fantastic large room downstairs. Uh, acoustically, it's not so great. It's very echoey in there. Uh, there's some other things that we want to do just to make it an optimal space uh, for our children's work on Sundays. We had 99 1 to 11-year-olds uh, last week. Not all in the same room, you'll be reassured to know. Uh, they're spreading out across the different rooms. But God is doing a wonderful thing amongst uh, children and young people in this church. I would love for you to get involved if you've got a heart to serve and to serve the next generation. Um, but we want to make that space as optimal as it can be. Uh, and there's the things we want to do just to make that a better space. And then we want to also set aside some money for investing in future staffing needs. Uh, there's some things in which we want to invest in, particularly with regards to the next generation. Again, we're going to unpack that some more in the months to come. But we want to lay aside £20,000 uh, for that. 
And then finally, we want to set up a church planting fund. And I'm very excited about this because we've had so many uh, prophetic words over us as a church where we feel God's spoken to us through individuals about us being a a church that is not just a, a large presence here in Ipswich, but that actually sends, raises people up and sends them on to different towns and cities and nations. And we want to start up a church planting fund, which we hope to give into uh, each year in some way. Uh, and we want to, to start that this summer. And we want to give, a, we want to give from that church planting fund to uh, the church plant that's going to be taking place in Nijmegen in the Netherlands, uh, which we heard from Wouter a, a few months ago now, uh, back in February, and so inspired by what God is speaking to them about and the, the great adventure of faith that they're going on. And we want to give some of that money to them. And we also want to save some aside for future church plants that we believe God is going to uh, have us involved with. So hopefully that's really clear about how we're looking to apportion the funds. Uh, where do we go from here? Well, let me encourage you, uh, as I said earlier, if you are regularly amongst us, to consider how can I give into this? I know that it is a moment in uh, history, really, where we're, we're experiencing financial pressures, the like of which uh, some of us have never seen before. And so we're just well aware that some are going to feel like, I don't really have much to give. I'm praying that everyone will be able to give something. I'm praying that God will make a way and provide for everyone to give something. Some will be able to give comparatively little, but actually it's from the heart that God wants us to give. And so it might be that we're able to give five pounds, and that's a sacrifice Hey, that's, I'm praying that every one of us will have an opportunity to give something. Some will, will know that they can give much more than that. So let's be praying. Let's be thinking, how can I give on that day? Let's come uh, with, with that in our hearts and brought before God uh, in prayer. Let's come with joy and celebration. I love just as we kicked off this morning, it was so celebratory, hearing Anna's testimony and then lifting our heads to this ancient of days. We're going to celebrate as we give in a couple of weeks' time. And... Uh, a couple of top tips. Firstly, if you share a bank account with someone, make sure you've talked about it with them first so that there's no surprises in the days afterwards. Where's this money gone? Oh, I gave it to the church. You didn't tell me. No, we don't want that to happen. Okay, so make sure you're talking with a person that you maybe share a bank account with. Um, if you have children here that are old enough to understand, why not involve them in this too? And say, hey, look, we've got, a, we've got an offering coming up. We want to give. This is investing in the future of the church here. And, and this is what we're looking to give. Let's pray about this. This is going to mean we can't maybe do this, this, and this. But we're going we're gonna to give sacrificially. Uh, involve them in it. It really will make an impact. Uh, no, I had parents who gave generously to the life of their church. And they involved me and my brother in that as we got older. And it, it was impactful for me. Because I, I really saw where my parents' priorities lie. And... Uh, and it was just so helpful. So let me encourage you to do that as well. Finally, if you're, if you're a, a taxpayer in the UK, please let us know uh, what you're giving because we can claim additional uh, funds on top of your gift at no cost to you, at no cost to the church. It's amazing. It's a really good deal. So if you're giving however much uh, on the 22nd, please let us know that it's you if you're a taxpayer so that we can claim additional uh, money back from the government. And it really, really will help us in this. So I might just pray, if that's okay, just ahead of the 22nd, and just ask God that he will help us in this. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done in this church over the years. Thank you for the many people that have come to know you. Thank you that we have an opportunity in two weeks' time to give uh, in in a joyful way, over and above what we already give. Father, I pray that you would give us all the opportunity to give. I pray, Lord God, where people are struggling financially, that you will even give an opportunity, however much it might be, 
for all of us to give. And we ask, Father, that we would be blown away at your generosity to us as we give in the coming weeks. We pray, Lord God, that your hand would be so evidently on this church for all that we believe you're calling us into. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One more thing I will say is that if you are in a position where you are struggling financially, and we expect that there probably would be in a church this size, please do speak to one of us as elders, maybe one of the deacons, and we just really just want to come alongside you and pray with you. There may be ways in which we can support, but we, we want you to not suffer alone, as it were. If you're struggling to make ends meet, please speak to us. Wonderful. We're going to get into today's message. Are you up for that? Yeah. We've been going through the Bible book of Ephesians in recent weeks, and today we're going to be in chapter 5. Now, last week, uh, I took my son Frankie to his first ever professional football match. Here we are uh, at uh, Portman Road, uh, and... We got free tickets to go along uh, to watch a game. And to my surprise, Ipswich Town won. And not only did they win, they won 4-0, which was incredible. And they had scored two goals within the first 10 minutes. Now, I found myself again and again throughout the match turning to Frankie and saying, it's not always like this. <laughs> Don't get your expectations up that it's going to be like this every single week. And on the way to the stadium, as we walked over to Portman Road, I wanted to give him a bit of a pep talk. I had to explain to him, son, it's going to be very, very loud. It's going to be loud. Some people are going to have had too much alcohol to drink, and they're going to be behaving in strange ways. There's going to be some people for whom football is the most important thing in their life. You just need to be aware of that. And so some of them might look like they're worshipping in the way that daddy worships. <laughs> that, that might be happening. And I had to say that there might be some bad language that you might hear as well. I don't want to hear any of that bad language from you. But it is, it's striking when you, when you go to a football match how reminiscent it is of our Sunday worship gatherings. Because there are people who are really giving it their all in worship of a football team. You know, we, we were made to worship. We are not here by accident. I, I do not believe that we're here by accident. And it's, it's, it takes more faith, I think, to believe that we're here by accident than it does to believe that there's a creator. I believe we were made by a creator intentionally, and we were made to know him and made to worship him. We were made to revel in his glory. We were made to enjoy his glory. And what we found is, in, that, in fact, in all of our lives, before coming to know Jesus, is that we actually make other things the ultimate thing in our life. We, as Roman, Romans chapter 1 explains it, we've exchanged the glory of the creator for the glory of the created. There's things that we've come to uh, revel in and make the ultimate thing that are not God. And ultimately, for those of us who have come to know Jesus, we've found that that doesn't satisfy. That doesn't actually fill us in the way that knowing God fills us and reveling in him fills us. And the preacher and author John Piper said, God has given singing to his people as one of the most precious and powerful expressions of our gladness in his glory. And we found singing to be a precious and powerful thing here at Hope Church. We love to sing. We've got something much more glorious to sing about than Ipswich Town Football Club. We've found the one who has created all things revealed to us in his son, Jesus Christ. 
We've got someone who really is glorious, and when we revel in him, when we enjoy his glory, we really are satisfied. We really are filled. And so singing is such an important thing to us, uh, but it's not just an expression of our gladness in his glory. It is that. It is totally that, but it's more than that as well as we're going to see today. Singing is so important for us. It's so important for each other, not just that we might express our gladness in his glory we're going to see that in Ephesians chapter 5. And in the previous chapters of Ephesians, we've been seeing this amazing picture that uh, Paul, the apostle, writing to this church in Ephesus, in Turkey, he's reminding them of the amazing good news of all, all that Jesus has done for us, all that God has done for us in sending Jesus to the earth and saving us. He's reminded them all of this, and now he's saying, now walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've received. He's saying, here's the good news, now we walk in the light of that. And chapter 5, we heard uh, unpacked by Tommy so well last week, is all about walking wisely. And we're going to pick up from there today, and we're going to see some more about singing. This is what we read in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ called this message the overflow life. So Paul says, be careful how you live. He says, take care how you live. Sometimes when you go to visit family, no matter whether you've been a driver for 30, 40, 50 years, your mum or someone in your family, as you're about to go home, will say, take care now as you go. Go carefully. Saying, don't just kind of go into it half-hearted. No, no, take care. Look, look carefully at what you're doing. What Paul is saying here is that Life is short. We, we don't know how long we have. Let's spend our days wisely. The life expectancy in this nation is, is 81.2 years old, which means if you're older than that, you are in the bonus levels. Congratulations. But it means that as we, as we go, as we grow older, we should be taking into account that life is short. And we don't know how long we have, and we're to live wisely in light of that. We're to live wisely because the days are evil. There's stuff going on around us that is evil. That we're to not get involved with. Because God has much better for us. And Paul touches upon alcohol. In fact, he touches upon this in a number of his letters. When he's talking about the qualifications for elders. The shepherds that uh, help to guard and guide the flock. And, it, and qualifications for deacons. Those who serve in the church in different ways, they're to be those that are not filled with too much wine. He touches on that in a few places, and again here. And he explicitly says that we're not to get drunk. It's never God's will for a Christian to get drunk. It's sinful to get drunk. And it's a sin that actually leads to all kinds of other sins. I was speaking to a friend the other day, and two or three years ago, he was in a lifestyle where he would get drunk regularly, he'd smoke weed regularly, 
and he and his friends, their lifestyle was one in which it was all about going to get drunk, living for the weekend, and trying to get as many girls as they could. In fact, when I go for my haircut, which I need to go for uh, soon, um, I will listen in on conversation that's been had in the barbers, and it is about what are you doing on Friday night? Oh, and then these girls are coming, and we're going to go, and we're going to get drunk, and we're going to see who we can get together with. That's the lifestyle of millions of people in our nation. It's, it's the lifestyle of millions who haven't found anything better. But the reality is it's a lifestyle that doesn't satisfy, doesn't fulfill, and it brings actually a lot of damage with it. It brings a whole load of hurt and pain because alcohol, whilst, uh, whilst it's pleasant in moderation, excessive alcohol does lead to a dropping of inhibitions that leads to, uh, leads to humans actually acting like animals in some ways. You only need to look at when there's a major football tournament on and, uh, and England supporters having too much to drink in the hot sun, and suddenly they are resembling more animals than they are human beings. It, it actually leads to, to humans being like beasts in some ways. Whereas the Holy Spirit, and Paul is deliberately contrasting uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit with the filling of too much alcohol, the Holy Spirit leads to us being more human, to actually being more like Jesus Christ, the ultimate man. And so the filling of alcohol, too much alcohol, leads to all kinds of shameful behavior. And the world, the way of the world is to drink, to reduce anxiety, or to uh, get peace, to get joy, maybe to get courage. We talk about a little bit of Dutch courage, don't we? Well, the Holy Spirit has, has way more for us. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see, uh, as we unpack this passage a little bit more uh, together, we see that actually it leads to good things within the life of our church. It leads to good things within our community life. It leads to good things in our marriages, as we're going to see next week, and in our parenting, and in the workplace. It leads to good things when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Whereas to drink too much alcohol leads to people saying things that they might regret later down the line. It leads to people doing things that may have consequences such as unwanted pregnancies or uh, STIs or if it's not even that, a whole load of heartache and hurt. And then the next day, feeling rough as well. So medical people out there, you will know this, but I was surprised to read this, that alcohol is actually a depressant. It's not a stimulant. We might think it's a stimulant because it um, it, you know, it might stimulate us to some, in the short term, some behavior that we might not otherwise uh, partake in, but actually it's ultimately a depressant. And so uh, after a little while, you actually are, it's counterintuitive or counterproductive because actually it makes you feel lower, it makes you feel more miserable, and it increases anxiety in the longer run. So to have too much alcohol really isn't, it's a lose-lose situation. So Paul wants to parallel the filling of the Holy Spirit with being drunk on too much wine. He wants to parallel it and contrast it to show us that actually when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, things will look different. Just as you can tell when someone is under the influence of too much alcohol, you can see it. There's, not, there's no mistaking it. You can say, they've had too much to drink, and you can tell. Paul is also saying, hey, when you are filled with the Spirit, when you go on being filled with the Holy Spirit, you can see some things in the life of someone who is going on being filled. You can see some things that you can see they're under the influence of one whose name is holy. There is no better impetus for holy living than to be filled with the one whose name is holy. And he leads us into good things. So four quick things on 
alcohol, and this is not where I want to land today, but I want to cover it nonetheless, because we don't really teach on it much. Firstly, drinking alcohol is not a sin. You cannot defend that biblically. You, you cannot search the scriptures and say to someone, hey, you shouldn't drink beer or wine because it's a sin. You can't do that. It's, it's very clearly a conscience thing. It's not, it's not sinful to drink alcohol. And I, I remember at university, uh, after our Christian Union gathering on a Friday night, we would go to the pub <clears throat> and have a drink. And uh, I was speaking to a friend of mine, I said, hey, do you, want, do you want a beer? And he said, no, no, I don't drink alcohol. And at the time, I thought to myself, God, you're a bit of a legalist, aren't you? Are you trying to impress God by not drinking alcohol? Are you trying to make him more pleased with you? Or are you trying to look on others with judgment in your heart? I, it was so foolish of me to think that. It really was. Because actually, this friend of mine, he just knew that he would struggle to drink alcohol in moderation. I don't know whether he'd you know, he'd previously struggled in this way, but he just had decided, I am not going to go there because I just know that even if I have one drink, I, I'm not going to be able to stop myself. So he made the right decision to say, I'm not going to go there. So it's a, it's a conscience thing. And so Christians will kind of take different um, uh, stances on, on it for themselves. We don't impose it on others because it's a conscience thing. You can't say it's a, it's a sin thing to drink alcohol because Jesus turned water into wine. He drank wine. He spoke of drinking wine in the eternal kingdom that we're going to enjoy with him. He gave his followers a meal to remember him by that contained wine and bread. Now, it's very deliberate, deliberate that we don't have wine on a Sunday when we have communion because there are some in the, in the place here who just wouldn't drink alcohol for various good reasons. But you cannot say that drinking alcohol is a sin. Second thing to say is that the answer to, to misuse of alcohol isn't necessarily disuse, but proper use. That's the same with so many things in life. It's not just to say, well, I'm not going to go there because I, I can't do it properly. No, you can drink alcohol to the glory of God. You can have a beer with a friend or you know, enjoy some time together to the glory of God. It can be done. You can do this to the glory of God. Let me encourage you, know, know your limits in this as well. So for me, if I'm going to the pub to watch a football match with some friends, I, I know that if I have two pints of beer, I'm going to start to feel a little bit, uh, I'm going to start to feel a little bit lightheaded. Now, some of you think that is ridiculously lightweight. Well, that's okay with me. I'm fine with that. Saves me money. I'd, I'd much rather have one pint of beer and then have a Coke afterwards. I, I'm okay with that. Don't push your limits as it were. So if you know where you're at, with this, don't push it to the far extremities of your limit. Just wise to, to, to not go there. Thirdly, some Christians here struggle with alcohol, and some have struggled historically. So some here have known addiction to alcohol, like serious addiction. Some people have uh, struggles now with alcohol as a coping mechanism. And so because of that, we just need to bear that in mind when we're living out community life. So, so if you're invited to a friend's for dinner and you're not sure whether they might partake in a glass of wine or not, you just don't know where they're standing on these things, take a soft drink. Simple. If you know that there's someone struggling whereby you just know that they're in a lifestyle where they're just trying to leave some things behind, instead of saying, hey, let's go to Isaac's, let's go to McDonald's. Let's go to Costa. Let's go do something else together. We actually need to be mindful of each other in this, and not just presuming that everyone's in the same place 
as we are on this. If you are struggling, tell someone. If it's a coping mechanism for you when you're anxious, I need a drink to feel relaxed, or when I'm down, I need a drink to try and pick me up, tell someone. That is not a healthy place in which to be, and God, God wants you to be free to know him as your hiding place, him as your shelter, him as your strong tower, him as the one who, who brings you out of that place of anxiety. He wants you to cast your cares on him. Fourth thing to say is this, that many who we are reaching in our lives are struggling with this because it's a huge thing in our culture, huge thing in our culture to go out and get drunk. It's a huge deal. And I've been to places in the past where I've been with friends who don't know Jesus, and, and I will happily have a beer. I'm, I'm okay, personally, in my conscience, I'm fine. But I will not drink deliberately sometimes so as to offer some other people a way out. Rather than just kind of going along with everyone else, others have sometimes said, yeah, I just fancy a Coke as well, actually. But listen, if you are in a place where you just know, I can't go in to some places without getting pulled in and go along with the crowd... Don't go there. God, God will, you know, he, he's big enough. You might think, oh, but they need to be reached and I need to be amongst them. God is big enough. Pray. And maybe one day you'll be in a place where you're strong enough to go in, as it were. But, but if you're getting dragged in so that you're just like the world, as it were, don't go there. Maybe it might be years, actually, before you think, actually, I'm, I can go, go along and I'm not going to get dragged in to the ways of this world. So don't get drunk on wine, Paul says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually, this, uh, these verses in Ephesians chapter 5 might be better translated, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a tense that we don't really have in our language. So be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continuous thing that we're looking at here. So let's ask the question, what, what does this mean? And how does, how does this kind of relate to uh, what we read of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus... Uh, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, he pointed at Jesus and he said, he's the one who's going to come and baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Jesus is going to come and bring a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we read in uh, the book of Acts, which is this uh, just unpacking of the early church and how it came to be birthed and uh, how it came to spread around the, the known world at the time. We see that people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So how does this kind of go on being filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, how does that work with this baptism of the Holy Spirit that the Bible talks about? Well, listen, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a definitive one-time experience where you know I have been uh, completely plunged into the power of God. I've known a, I've known a touch from God. And this be, being filled with the Holy Spirit is talking about a continuous uh, thing that we might know, a continuous reality that we might know throughout our lives as Christians. We, we personally should know if we have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. We should know. We should be able to say, yet I can look back at a moment and say, I, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Often in the New Testament, when we read accounts of people being baptized in the Spirit, they spoke in languages that they hadn't learned. Or they prophesied. They spoke uh, about God to others and spoke God's words to others. And so there was a real moment where they could say, yes, I definitively was. I, 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 I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I knew the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you 
If you can't say, I know that I have been, then it means you probably haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make you not a Christian. No one can say Jesus is Lord but by the work of the Holy Spirit. But to know the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon you, to know the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we want you to know that. And this morning we want to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so a little bit later on, as we're singing, I'm going to be over there in the corner. There's going to be a bunch of other people willing to pray with you and to, to say, we're going to expect God's going to come in power upon you to give you courage to witness for him, to give you gifts, maybe the gift of languages, whereby you might start to speak this prayer language, as it were, a language you haven't learned. So that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But this is uh, such an important and vital thing that we know the ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit. People should know and be able to observe in your life that you are going on being filled with the Holy Spirit because it will lead to you looking different to others. This is a lifestyle, not a memory. And when you read in the book of Acts, people like Paul, the apostle, and Peter, who was another one of the apostles, they knew the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then later on, you read, it says, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, did X, Y, Z. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, did X, Y, Z. So there was an ongoing, I'm receiving from God. There's an ongoing opening myself up and saying, God, I want to be filled with all that you have for me, and I want to go in your power and courage. So there's this ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit, asking God. You know, he is a good dad. And Jesus said, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. I think, oh, that's a bit, a bit strong, calling us evil, Jesus. He said, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so this opening ourselves up and saying, God, I want more of what you have for me. I want to walk in your power. This is what it is to be going on, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being stirred afresh, being stirred to witness, being stirred to sing, being stirred to courage, being stirred to joy. This is what God has for us, that we might see transformation in the arenas that I spoke of earlier. And as we see in Ephesians chapter uh, 6, in, in our, and later in chapter 5, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our workplaces, in our church, that we'd be transformed. So let's look at singing, shall we? Because this is what Paul then says. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he says, singing to one another in some ways. So alcohol, whilst uh, a depressant in the, in the longer term, actually in the shorter term, does lead to people singing, doesn't it? You barely go to a karaoke bar and find people that haven't had a bit of alcohol first. Certainly in Britain, that's the case. I don't know where it, what it's like in other nations that you may be from, but in Britain, normally people have had some alcohol before they sing in a karaoke bar because it, in the short term, uh, having some alcohol leads to joyous behavior and leaving behind some, um, some inhibitions, perhaps. Well, Paul says, how much more does the Holy Spirit stimulate singing, singing amongst God's people? We should be those that are loud in our song. I really believe that. The, the, the gathering of God's people should be a loud occasion. There's place for silence and reflection. I'm certain of that. But our gatherings should be gatherings that are loud and celebratory because the Holy Spirit is filling us and, and reminding us of who we are, reminding us of the fact we're God's children, that he's our father, that he's done all that he's done in order to bring us in. And this should stir up within us songs. 
And they should be loud songs. And we should be feeling free to sing loudly without uh, holding back because he's so worthy of it. And so there should be moments when our throats hurt on a Sunday. There should be moments when we're pumping the air. Listen, it, we're in trouble if Ipswich Town Football Club looks more zealous for their, uh, for their team than we do for our God. Because they haven't won anything since 1978. <laughs> and we've, we've got a saviour who has won a victory that is eternal. And right across the world, he's bringing people into his family day by day by day, nation after nation after nation. He's won a great victory, and we've got something big to sing about. And it should be that we sing loudly. And it should be that we sing with our whole hearts and not holding back because he's worthy of it. And so the Holy Spirit wants to come and stir celebration of Jesus because the Holy Spirit wants to celebrate Jesus. He so wants to celebrate Jesus and, and God the Father. So our hearts, as we're filled with the Spirit, want to come and we want to sing. So we're here to celebrate. We're here to just lift the roof with his praise. And that's what we're going to do even a little bit later on. Singing should be a big part of who we are. And we should be zealous for him because this is what the Holy Spirit wants to come and do within us. So when we gather, we gather to sing. I want to just uh, encourage you uh, parents here just for a moment. If you have children uh, who come along to our Sunday gatherings, don't, don't worry about looking embarrassing in worship. Because you might think sometimes, oh, I don't want to embarrass my kids, so I'm just going to sort of hold back, sing quietly and gently. It is so important that your children see you worshipping God wholeheartedly. It's so important. It's so important they see you worshipping wholeheartedly in the car, <laughs> doing the air drums on the wheel. It's so important. Because they need to see that there is something that's that's grabbed you that is far, far greater than anything else the world has to offer. We don't do it for show, but don't get worried about being embarrassing. It's so important. So go for it. We've got something big to celebrate. I, my, my dad uh, was, was profoundly deaf. He, he had one ear he couldn't, he couldn't hear in at all. The other ear he could barely hear in. So you had to get right in to speak to him. And he really couldn't sing. <laughs> He sounded, he sounded like a Dalek. He really I said this at, I said that his, I said that his, at his funeral. I said, my dad couldn't sing, but he was one of the best worship leaders that I knew. And people, people applauded at his funeral because they just knew he worshipped God. And so some of you, you might think, I, you don't want a microphone going anywhere near my mouth. But you can be worship leaders where you are, actually. And people around you can be so encouraged to sing because you're just going for it. And I, I might have shared this story before, but I, it's encouraging. My dad got dementia, and he got to the point where he couldn't get sentences out properly. Uh, and yet, he was, there was, a, I think, at least two occasions, maybe three occasions, when on a Sunday, he came to the microphone in his church, and he prayed out in tongues. Because that was the only language that he could get out fluently. I don't know how that works, but that's the only thing he could, And it, it lifted the room. Because this was a man who just said, I want to worship. I might not be able to even speak properly and fluently, but I want to just worship. So let's be those that go for it with our singing. Because we see here that we're to sing to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we're to make music in our hearts to the Lord. 
So there's a, there's a whole thing here of going, there's a, uh, a horizontal element and a vertical element to our singing. So we're not just singing to God, which is so important, because we've got so much to thank him for and celebrate him. We're actually singing to each other. And so it, our, our coming together is actually so encouraging for other people. There's been so many times when I've known uh, difficult situations that people are going through, and yet they've, they're, in, they're, they're in the gathering going for it in worship. That's deeply encouraging for me. So it matters that we come together. This is why, as we, uh, for, t- you know, for quite some time, we had YouTube services. That wasn't church. And maybe you're, ga- you're kind of watching on YouTube now for maybe some good and right reasons, but it's, it's not the same because we're to be together whereby we address each other with our songs as much as we address God. Because we encourage each other with the truth. And there's times sometimes when you might get stirred to bring a song on the mic. And we have an, we have an, each week we have an elder who's just kind of helping to anchor things. And you might come and bring a song. A song to, to praise of God. And it's encouraging. Or a song that's a prophetic song. Which means it's as if God is singing it over us. This is encouraging and necessary. It's right for our Upbuilding. This is the atmosphere of the, the early church. We've kind of wanted to move away from, here's the five songs on the hymn board that we're going to sing. But that does sometimes, you know, even for a church like ours, where we want to be a charismatic church, we can get to the, to the point where we just turn up and we think, well, the band have chosen the songs, and they choose excellent songs, and the band and the tech team serve us so, so well. But we can kind of think, well, I'm just going to turn up and sing the songs that, you know, that they've chosen and I'm going to go home again. No, no, let's be on the front foot. It might be that you've got a, a psalm to bring and to read out or maybe even to sing out. It might be that you have uh, another scripture to read out, just a short chunk of scripture just to lift our eyes to God again. It might be you have a prayer of thanksgiving. Say, God, I thank you for this. And just it just lifts the room and we come back to, oh, God is with us. This is the atmosphere of the early church, not that it's all kind of just each gathering's kind of intricately planned and mapped out. We have a plan, but we do also want to say, God, come and stir us. Come and stir us. We want to be on the front foot. At some point in this gathering, the ball might be at my feet. And I don't know how many of us come with that expectation. Let us come with that expectation, whether it's Sunday gatherings, whether it's prayer and vision nights, whether it's to our life group. And I might have something to bring that will, will, will build others up, that might encourage each other in our times together. So it's not going to be practical, necessary, uh, for 400 people to come and share a word. That's, no, it's not going to be practical. We'll be here all day. But we, we do want, it, we want people to be on the front foot with this. And we have an elder who's kind of anchoring things. And we might say, hey, yeah, please bring that. Or can I bring on the ba- something on the back of that? Or can you just wait a few minutes because we're in this moment right now where we're just, we're just focusing in on God's holiness or whatever it might be. Can you just hold off? Or maybe I'll bring that for you later. But we want you to be on the front foot with this. If, if, if someone's going back to their seat having not brought something, that's not a disaster. That's, that's okay. But we want people to be on the front foot. Can I encourage us, Hope Church, in this? As we gather, because this is what this is the atmosphere of uh, of the early church. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 14 and uh, verse 26. This is what it says. 
What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, something God's revealed to you, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. And then in Colossians chapter 3, which in some ways mirrors uh, Ephesians uh, 5 that we've just been reading, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we see a picture here where it's not one person standing up and doing something, or it's not the band are all kind of just the ones on the stage and we just kind of just watch what they're doing. This is, we're on the front foot here. And that may be in our time together. It may be afterwards as we're having coffee or praying together. It may be beforehand as we're gathering for a prayer meeting at 9.30, which you're all welcome to come to. But we want to be those on the front foot and saying, who can I encourage? So it's not just when I'm preaching and I wanted to share the word with people. I wanted to do this daily. This would be the last time I'm preaching until uh, September. I wrote to the church family, the members recently, saying I'm going to take a sabbatical over June, July, August. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop encouraging people from the Word. I want to keep doing that. I want to keep doing that. Because we've, we've, got, we've each been given something to bring. So let me stir us in this. So we're going to sing in a little while. Uh, the band will, will come and lead us in just a few minutes' time. And let's be on the front foot. Let's sing loudly. Let's sing with all that God has given us. Because he's worthy of it. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh. And it may be that some just feel, I've got a song. You Just a simple refrain. Sometimes that's really helpful. Just, a, just a two or three lines that then we can, as a church, kind of get on the back of. And just come join in with that song. Sometimes it's a, a song that you, everyone might know well. We can just sing that together. Come and speak to Tim here, who's one of the, the elders here with me on the team. And let's just see what God does amongst us as we, as we sing to him together. Let's just have a look at these last verses and then we're going to pray. All of this with thanksgiving in our hearts. A Holy Spirit filled person is a thankful person. Someone who grumbles isn't going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. A grumbling heart is just filled with jealousy, filled with cynicism, filled with judgment of others. A grumbling heart is not one that's thankful to God. And it's to characterize us that we're thankful people. We've got so much to be thankful for. We've got so much to pour out in thanks to God. We've got so much to say thank you, Lord, for. Let's be those that lay down grumbling. Let's be like little children. Jesus said, you've got to enter the kingdom of God like a child. Those who don't, can't enter. Let's be like children. Sometimes children thank God for the most bizarre things. When we're praying, you think... Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad you thank God for that. Didn't think about that at all. But children think of these things. They thank you, God. Let's be those that thank God even for the little things. Let's be full of thanksgiving. Let's submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. What does that mean? Does it mean that we have to do whatever a Christian brother or sister tells us to do? No. But it doesn't mean we prefer each other that we're not brash and just insisting on our own way, that we're humble, 
Some of the most spiritful people I know are those that listen well to others. They aren't quick to speak. They're quick to listen, slow to speak. And who just want to receive you and go slow. Not brash, pushy. I think that's what it's getting at here. Reverence for Christ. We're just not insisting on our own way. Let's be those that are thankful and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, should we stand together? Because we're going to sing. I want to pray for us. We're singing to the one who is already high and lifted up. Singing to our Lord Jesus Christ who who went to the cross for us, who died a, a brutal death on the cross for us, who rose again victorious, and who is now seated at the right hand of his Father. And together they have poured out the Holy Spirit upon all those who believe. And so today you might think, I don't feel particularly worthy of receiving the Holy Spirit. I don't feel particularly worthy. Well, let me read to you from John chapter 7, because this is what Jesus said. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, it's not whoever has got it all worked out. It's not whoever is really courageous. It's whoever believes in me. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Listen, now, friends, we're in a totally different place because Jesus has been glorified. He's risen to the highest place, having laid down his life, having risen again, he's now at the highest place. And today we can trust. If we're thirsty, he's going to come and fill us. Rivers of living water. Are you thirsty? You're coming to a good God today, a good Father who wants to give you a good gift. So we're going to sing together. And then in about five minutes' time or so, I'm just going to make my way over to the corner and other people from the prayer team will be there as well, over to my right, your left. And if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where you could say, I, I don't think I've, ever, I've never experienced what you've described to me, Tom. We want to pray for you. We want, to, we want to stand with you and pray with you. And we're going to just take some time. But for everyone else, we're going to sing and we're going to enjoy God together. And it might be that God stirs you to come and bring a scripture, bring a bit of a psalm or a, another part of the Bible just to encourage us and to build us up and lift our heads to Jesus. It might be some of you have a song just bubbling up within that we can just join in with. The band are going to lead us. But let's pray. We've got 25 minutes. Let's enjoy this time together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we just come to you now, knowing that you receive us, 
by faith you receive us Lord we're sorry for the times in which we've got things wrong some even in the room right now just know I, I just want to come to God and I don't want to just turn away from the way I've drunk too much I've done some things that have just been shameful come and receive God's forgiveness and his mercy now and Father, we want to be a church that where each person just knows an ongoing filling of the Spirit. We might walk in an openness to you saying, God, come and fill me afresh. We want to be a church that as we gather, we're, we're on the front foot. And we're saying, I want to come and bring something for the building up of this church. Would you come and stir us to this, Lord, in the weeks and months to come? Lord God, would it be that, uh, that there's a beautiful picture that you're painting and even in, even in months to come as we look back we say again and again beautiful things have been stirred up amongst your people. Lord God, receive the praise and worship that you deserve now. We love you. We worship you. We're so excited about you, Lord. You're so much better than anything else that this world has to offer. We worship you, Lord. Let's sing to him together.